now tuned in to the cold hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea. Piping hot, so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via WhatsApp at 324-1612. Email tips at caymanmorrowroad.com. Now, here's your host, Sandy Hill, broadcasting live from the beautiful Cayman Islands. Good morning. Good morning, Sandy. Hey, there you are. I was going to say, I can't hear you. Hello, hello. 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 Good morning. We're just playing. We're we're coming out with a song right now. Okay, awesome. I'll be right back. Two minutes. Good. Well, I hope you got a song for us for uh, Old School Fridays, 1991. Yes, I do. All right, don't tell us yet. Okay. You can tell us on the air. But happy Friday to you and your audience. Aaron's going to play Connect Four. Yeah. Hello. (laughs) Uh, Anyway.
We just did the impossible question on the air this morning, and it was, uh, what is the, uh, this food is what people, if they can only choose one food and eat it the rest of their life, pizza would be number one. What was number two? Any, any guesses? Since you probably didn't hear the right answer. I said spaghetti. Tacos. Yeah. Neither. Mm. Well, spaghetti was on the list. Uh, the answer was uh, steak, by the way. Good old medium rare steak. Yeah. Oxtail was not on it. No, nah, neither was jerk chicken. Makes me upset. because Should have been. I could eat that all the time. Mm-hmm. All right, let's hear a little. Uh, let's hear a little music while we're waiting. Important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Darren's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. What's up, Sandy? Hello. Happy Friday. I love that song, Jesus Jones. That's a good song. Yeah. I used to think it was like, I can't remember. I used to think it was like In Excess or something. I can't remember. That was singing that song? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Sandy, you with us? You're making coffee in the kitchen. (laughs) <laughs> don't, don't hear her actually have we taken over cmr we have. okay so what can we do we've now taken over cmr well let yeah. me give you a few uh things from 1991 by okay. the way yes uh, i'm here i forgot to unmute myself sorry oh silent, have you been talking to- <laughs> yes <laughs> silence of the lambs silence of the sandy was a big movie oh my gosh uh, terminator 2 Oh, you know what else was big? That was, ter- yes, Terminator was out then. Cape Fear. That was a good I, movie. Okay, was that? I know it's a horror. I've never actually went back to watch it. I oh, should. really? Yeah, I should. Point Break. Keanu? Yeah. yeah. You know, was, wasn't that the surfing one? Yes, it was. Okay. Do you know who the sexiest man alive was? In 91? In 1991 on People Magazine? No idea. Keanu? Nope. No clue. Oh, oh, what about um, Patrick Swayze? Yes. <gasps> was it really? Patrick Swayze, yeah. I guessed it right. Oh, Patrick Swayze. Well, you were all of how old again? Three? <laughs> no, I was like in third grade. I was, I was 21. I was eight, yeah. I was eight, but my dad watched, let me watch Terminator around, well, the first Terminator. So I was even obviously younger if Terminator 2 came out. Mm. And I ran around when my mom asked me what I wanted to watch, and I would run around going, kill robots, kill robots or something. <laughs> <laughs> Sandy, you were what, 17? Yes. You were around there? I was, yeah, I would have, yeah. Yeah, what's that? Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, what you got for us on a Friday? Wow, what a day! What a discussion we're gonna have today. Um, well, what's been trending is a school bus fight with a um, school warden. And yeah, we had a little a, bit about that. Wait, what? So yeah, he, so what was it? So this uh, kid was told to sit in the front of the bus, and he didn't want to. Right. So that's that's what kicked it off. But I think what is even more disturbing is that the school bus warden decided to use force on him. Oh, like wait, the driver? What's or the what's the warden? The warden is the one who keeps the kids in check. 
Oh, there's like a guy on the bus, on the bus as yeah. well. Oh, okay. And in oh, this case, that. it was actually yeah. a female. Mm. Mm. Are they, I mean, yeah. are they allowed to? No. I wouldn't think so. I mean, that. Would you, you like know. some person randomly if your kid's not. Uh, well, well, yeah. No, we, we don't have near the story. Like, did the kids start not, to attack her? I'm not asking if it was right or wrong yet. Yeah. I'm just saying, are they allowed to? It's, it's, um, it wasn't a case of self defense. And as far as I know, corporal punishment is not allowed in Cayman schools. Well, corporal, I don't think that's so, allowed. I mean, is in her head, she might have been thinking. Country. How about this is corporal punishment oh, yeah. on the bus, but uh, yeah, it's a little bit crazy. Huh. So there was that situation. When we were younger, we only had just the bus driver. Yeah, I never had a, I mean, in the bus, you were afraid of the Terrified bus driver. Terrified of the bus driver. Yeah. And he was my bus driver, That he was the driver for uh, for my neighborhood for so long. He was a lovely guy. He actually, and I think he played the clarinet in the symphony. Yeah. Like he was such a lovely guy, but oh yeah, no, terrified. I'll never forget, like our bus driver, female driver, she would stop the bus Mm -hmm. Stop the bus, put it in park, stand up, you know, and <laughs> yell at everybody. Yeah, you're the bus driver from uh, South up. Park. Oh my gosh. So, so you're like on the interstate and she just pull over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was not, she had no Whoa. fear. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sat down. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess they, they figured out they need more than one person, more than one adult on buses these days. Um, I can see so that. Because the bus driver can't, they can't yeah. see everything. They, they got that big mirror, like a like you're at a NASCAR and driver. And also, they should be focusing on driving. Yeah, they do. Yeah, but they should be focusing right. on driving. You know, my yeah. my like all I wanted to do every time I got on the bus was, guys, let's just open the back of the bus and jump out. I don't know why that back of the, the door at the back, the escape hatch. It just yeah, the escape. It just it's looks so appealing to so you inviting there. as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that would not have that. ended well. <laughs> no, and I probably would have got suspended or something as well. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what else is happening? Funny. Um, so we're also going to um, talk about um, uh, unfortunate situation. We talked about it briefly yesterday, but there is a gentleman in the community who has um, a bit of a disfiguration going on. And my phone has just been blowing up saying that CMR should do something about it. So I want to just, again, discuss it this morning to make sure that people are properly informed. Because it's one of those situations where people are making a lot of assumptions and they don't necessarily know what's going on. Okay. So I think we need to bring people up to speed. Um, and I don't know if you've seen the videos. He's horribly disfigured. And somebody decided to um, take a video of him and take photos of him and it has gone viral with a vengeance. I've received it so many times. So did you live here in Cayman? Yeah. Wait, okay. hold on. People are share and making fun of him? They're not really making fun of him, but they're saying that something needs to be done. So it's more of a call for action. Is this something new? Like he was disfigured by something that happened or this is just a- No, he actually, is, he actually, um, we're gonna go into details, but he actually has cancer. Oh, um, but his face, he's refused treatment basically. And it's eating away at his face and it's not a pretty sight. Oh, okay. Oh, so people yeah. are trying to intervene and get him help. I see. Right. That's okay. Sorry. I, I was going. Well, that's a better outcome. Yes. I was thinking. Yeah, no, they're not. Uh, but you know, it's kind of one of those things. I think a lot of people are just like, it's like pimple popper. You're grossed out by it, but you can't stop sharing and watching it kind of thing. Mm, I don't want to see I think, that. I yeah. think that's a little bit of what's going on. Yeah. Wow. That's well, sad hopefully uh, that uh, person does get some help, and, uh, and probably in a lot of pain. And we save that save that life. That'd yeah. be good. 
So, yeah. um, Sandy, it is old school Fridays. We are yes. we're going back to the year 1991. All right. So you got a song for us? Um, I'm thinking my husband made some recommendations. He's like yeah. keeping in the theme with CMR. How about Naughty by Nature? <laughs> Is that 1991? Was that 91? That's a good I, one. Yeah, I think so. Let me see. Let me double check. I always rely on him because he's good with music. Um, um I'm sure Naughty by Nature was 91. Wasn't on my list today. Aaron, look it up. OPP. OPP. Oh. Or Hip Hop Hooray. I'll play it for you anyway, though. Yeah. Good song. What year? Released in '91. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It says Jackson. It was uh, sampled um, with Jackson's five hit ABC and was released in 1991 on their self-titled album, Naughty by Nature. OPP as well. OPP. OPP. Yeah. Naughty. Yeah. Because this must be. Yeah, Naughty by Nature, yeah, the self-titled second album was released in 91, for sure. Yeah, Everything's Gonna Be Alright, Uptown Anthem. Here's your Friday jam. Oh, my. Uh, it's not moving you, Sandy. I don't see you all day. bobbing around. I'm bobbing around. I know, right? Can you I bob around? About this album. Can you just feel the... Yeah, the yes, absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, I was distracted by news. You know how it goes. <laughs> This is good. Yeah, I totally forgot about Naughty by Nature. All right, there you go. I see you. I saw you moving your shoulder a little bit, Sandy. Yes, absolutely. I'm. I'm here for it. All right. I am well, here go. for it. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Thank you so much. Do you guys have anything going on this weekend? Any fun events? Uh, yes, I have a super fun event. Okay. Uh, moving my mother-in-law. Out of our house oh. after two months <laughs> and back into oh, her newly renovated pad, which looks did nice. Did you guys give away some money this morning on the show yet? Oh, we no, will. we're doing that in an, in an hour. Yeah. So oh, okay. If anyone, if any of your listeners, anyone out there has a thousand dollars referred anyone, this is the referral program. They'll be drawing okay. uh, someone to win a thousand dollars from the mm. referral. Wow. Yeah. That's I Ethan. See you got a little one in the studio there. Ethan, Sorry, this is Ethan. This is the oldest. He's going Same. to uh, high. he's going to school here shortly. Hi. Journalism school. There you go. Yeah. 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 I'm dropping him off from work. So, DJ in training. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have a great weekend. Are you doing anything fun? Uh, just kind of relaxing, I think, a little bit. Good. That's good. Yeah. Excellent. We'll catch CMR right now on Facebook and YouTube, awesome. and we'll catch you Monday morning. All right, guys. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye. Aaron, what you got coming up? Oh. All right. So, um, folks, I have one slight thing that I have to do. And then I will be back. So I want you guys to mull over this um, school lunch menu for a second <laughs> while I grab something. And uh, I know some people are complaining about the school lunch options. And then I looked at this. I'm like, this looks pretty good. All right. Give me a couple seconds.
Okay, good people, I'm back. So uh, let's talk about schools. Whew, what a hot mess is going on. So these school lunches actually look pretty good. I don't know about anybody else, but good morning to everyone. Who do we have checking in this morning? Anne-Marie, Morna, Lester, Vernita, Nancy, Nona, uh, Diamond Princess Sapphire. Says, fabulous Friday, everyone. Uh, Darius, Wee Wee is here. Felicia's here, Perla, and Dean, beautiful and Dean. Louis, joining us from Detroit. He says, CMR, massive TGIF. Good morning, Miss Joy. Miss Deline, Corrine is here, healing up from West Bay. Marshall, North Carolina. Leslie in Florida. I'm trying to remember exactly where in Florida. <laughs> uh, Deline says, my driver would just look in the mirror and point at you, <clears throat> and you knew he was talking to you. <clears throat> Child, that's when looks could kill. Um, I don't think they make them like they used to anymore. Andine says um, they need Bunny Miles to start driving bus again. We didn't have this problem when I was going to school. Well, I think there's a lot of reasons why you probably didn't have those types of problems. Not just because of the bus driver, but so many things were different. Believe me, you. Uh, Miss Beulah, Miss Judy, thank you so much. Deline, have a blessed day. Miss Morna. Um, yes, I just received that message. So we're going to start the discussion there. Then we'll talk about schools. Um, Corrine says in 1991, her daughter was born. Wow. I have a 30 year old daughter. Yes. Imagine. Um, Emma, I can't believe it's, it's 30 years because that means that I have been out of high school now for 30 years, which is just crazy. It just doesn't seem possible. <laughs> uh, good morning to Emma. Miss Sue and Irvlin, Richie's here. Morning, Carmelie. We got Dion, Janita, Miss Gladys. Thank you. Leslie, Vero Beach. I always forget it. Like I know it's in Florida, but I know it's not one of the big uh, metropolitan areas. There you go, Vero Beach, Florida. Um, David, you're back. Wow, welcome home, welcome home. All right, so let's talk about um, the situation with this man. Now, first of all, I've already said that we have made a decision. I have personally made a decision not to share the video of him um, publicly. I've received it a million times, um, not to share it, uh, you know, on social media or any of that stuff. I know other platforms have. I know that it has um, been, uh, yeah, yeah. I know. It's got a bit of information here. I know that it has been trending. I've received so many phone calls in relation to this, so many um, messages and everything. And I tell you what, I said it yesterday and I'm going to say it again, folks. Um, I've been aware of this situation since May, since early May. And it is very, very unfortunate. I think he has gotten worse in terms of what he looks like for sure. But this man has refused to get assistance. Now, everyone has been calling me saying this is a health um, concern. He's spreading God knows what. Um, you know, people don't even know what his condition is and they are still talking about it. So I want to put some facts out there. First of all, the man has cancer. Um, yes, the skin has obviously um, been impacted significantly by that. Basically, the cancer is eating away at the skin. And he has refused treatment, you know, 
from May, they were able to take him from an abandoned house that he was living in, in uh, off of Smith Road, put him in the hospital. He finally agreed to go to the hospital. He's not wanting to go at all. And all they could do for him was give him pain meds. And then he left. And I assure you, like right now, everybody's celebrating. Um, they're saying, oh, give this one credit, give that one credit. Thank you, Sherry Ann. Thank you, Mario, for thinking now that you've stepped in. But without understanding the long history of this man's reality, he will not be in the hospital for long, unfortunately. I hate to say this, but um, this is his MO. He was just in the hospital not that long ago. So I guess when things get very, very dire, um, maybe he goes into the hospital, he gets a little bit of pain control. And as soon as he can get up and leave, he's going to leave. Now, what has happened uh, now, because so many people in the community are aware of his situation, I do think that, um, you know, people are feeling like, it's not like they're trying to shame him, but in a way that's exactly um, what has happened. You know, he is being shamed a little bit, although I don't, I don't think that he's, you know, it's not like he has WhatsApp and he cares what you all think or anything like that. Um, he, you know, will obviously know if people are looking at him and that sort of thing. Recently, I went to Cayman Brack. Apparently he has family in Cayman Brack and he does visit them. He visits people in Cayman Brack that he knows. And so I don't know if it was the last time I was in Cayman Brack or the time before that. But very in recent times, uh, I went to Cayman Brack and he was on the flight. And there were some kids who were going to the Brack um, uh, who were actually on the flight with us as well, right? And those individuals, those kids were like, what's going on with him? He had his face. Obviously, everybody has to wear a mask. And he had a face covering. And, you know, he was moaning and stuff. I don't know if that is because he was in actual pain. I imagine it's very possible because, folks, although I've not shown it. I'm sure a lot of you have seen the footage or the photos and it really, 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 really is disturbing without a doubt. And that's not the point that I'm arguing here at all. Um, the point is, and he here's the irony of it. Let me share something with you guys, right? People are saying um, that, you know, we have to force him to get help. The same people who are saying that, I know for a fact, are some of my anti-vaxxer friends who have said that we can't force them to get a vaccine. And I think the paradoxical irony of that is actually quite amazing. This man looks on the outside, he's quite disfigured. It started, I think, as ear cancer. And it is now disfigured his entire side of that face. Like it is literally just hanging off of his face. I get it. I know it's disgusting. People are like, he's hanging out at the park. Kids are potentially seeing this. One person's like, is he touching stuff that, you know, my kid is then going to go touch afterwards and catch germs or whatever. Um, I don't know. I'm not a medical professional. So I can't speak to the logistics of, of what that skin would contain. And if that is contagious, I mean, I don't know if cancers are contagious like that, or, you know, um, is the flesh now starting to literally rot away? It's a lot to, to take in. And people are very, very disturbed by the whole situation. And I understand the disturbance. But what I also know is 
this isn't the first time that this man has come to the attention of the authorities. People know about his condition. The powers that be know about his condition and they have done everything in their power to get him help and he has refused. So the same way you think that you can refuse a vaccine and you've said that that counts as medical treatment. Remember that misinformation from Katina? Her and her doctor friend said that's medical treatment when actually it isn't, but nonetheless. So if you can refuse medical treatment, I have to wonder why you think that this man can't refuse medical treatment. Oh, because he is actually impeding on your sensibilities because you don't want to see the eyesore. You see how ironic this whole thing becomes at some point. Um, so this is what he does. He's a runner and he's a hoarder and you can't force him. In this case, that would actually be medical treatment. And no, you can't. Although the medical treatment reference that she's making wasn't medical treatment. It was, it was experimental um, treatment on prisoners of war, basically like the Germans with the Nazis and the, the Jews and all that kind of stuff. So the comparison was completely wrong, but nonetheless, uh, this man has refused medical treatment. Um, you know, I don't know what Mario and Sherry Ann did to convince him to go to the hospital this time, but I can assure you it will be just as short lived as it has been the last few times. And what are you going to do? Go out there every single day and convince him to go to the hospital and he's going to check in for a little bit and check right back out and just leave. So yes, Julie, as soon as he gets his strength back, he's going to walk right out of the hospital. And I don't think in this situation that it's a question of him not having his strength. Um, it might just be a question of him, um, you know, being convinced. And like I said, I don't know how they convinced him. But he might just be convinced in this point in time to go and get this, uh, go to the hospital. But it's unfortunately, it is not going to last. That has been his history. If y'all can change that, I welcome you to do so. I would be happy to see um, something come out as a result of this. You know, I, I don't know what to tell you. Who were his family members? Are they in a position? to provide him with any sort of additional um, persuasion. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's sad. It's very sad. I, I don't know. I think, I think part of us also like the fact that we think, um, you know, a situation like this, like everybody's like, well, this is a public health issue. Well, so is COVID, but anyway, <laughs> you know, so we get to say um, what is going to happen to this gentleman. Um. But ultimately, he has the say. And I don't think that they've established that he is in a position to not make that decision. Now, here's, here's what needs to happen, right? His family members or a close friend or whoever wants to take responsibility for his health care needs to apply to the court 
for some emergency powers, like a power of attorney, so that they can then decide and force him basically into treatment. That's the legal way that you can do it. You can't just pick the man off the street and be like, you know, we're going to take you to the hospital. If he says no, he says no. And he has on more than one occasion gone into the hospital, received some degree um, of treatment, and then And then has to leave or he doesn't have to leave, but he leaves. Um, so who is this man family to? It seems to me, um, you know, someone has said that his family have really tried to help him, but it's really difficult to get his compliance. If he says, I don't want any medical intervention. I just want to die of my cancer. Unfortunately, it seems like this cancer, um, I guess it was skin cancer is just very, very, um, it's a very slow cancer. And I can't imagine that he is in a comfortable position. It has to be very painful at times and stuff as well. And he seems to be living, you know, in the park. He was living in an abandoned house. Uh, people said they've seen him grocery shopping. So people were disturbed by that. I reached out to one of the grocery stores that people have seen him at and um, what they have decided to do because they said, yes, obviously they don't want their other shoppers to be uncomfortable by this when you're trying to grocery shop for food and that sort of thing, is that um, they, whenever they see him, they will have a manager do the shopping for him as opposed to him actually coming in the store. So he could just tell the person what it is that he wants and then they can just shop and bring him his stuff. <sighs> It's very disturbing, but it also reminds me of someone else in the community who has um, some mental health issues. They were on drugs, um, hardcore drugs, and, um, you know, they couldn't force them into treatment. And as long as they're not breaking any laws and they don't get put in the penal system, because once they get put in the penal system, they have a choice. They can either go straight to jail um, for their crimes and they'll dry out hopefully in jail, which depending, we're going to have a little update on some situations there. So depending on uh, whether they have access to drugs or not in jail, they may dry out. Um, or they have the option of trying the treatment option, but nobody can force you even as a drug addict into treatment. You, that is something that you have to want. If you have mental health issues at some level, um, although there is a provision in the mental health law that I'm remembering that has a compulsory, but no one has ever utilized that. So I don't know what it would take to, um, what, what's the section, like in the States, they'll say like section nine or whatever. I don't know what it is in, in this law, um, but there is some provision for compulsory detention for mental health patients. I've never heard of that happening here in Cayman. Uh, we don't seem to um, we don't seem to be able to do that. And if you do, it's it's probably if the person is like doing something again, breaking the law, physically harming themselves, that sort of thing. In this case, this man is just living his life, and he does not want. It's Section Five, I've been told. So there is a provision in the mental health law, but has it ever been used? I can't recall it ever being used. 
Oh, someone says it's always being utilized. Really? And we still have people who, <laughs> who are out there refusing treatment? Wow. <clears throat> um, so yes, this person is in the know. And they said that it's used a lot. Well, uh, I guess there's no medical equipment of a Section 5. But um, I feel for this gentleman now that he is, you know, publicly, like this video has made the rounds. I've seen other pages like posting it on their social media pages. And, you know, people have reached out to us saying, please help him. And because I am very much familiar with his situation, the help that's available is very, very limited because he doesn't want the help. Everton says, good morning, Sandy. Don't think people think that it could be a possibility because of his illness. That's why he's behaving like that. Some people react to certain things because of the disease that they have. Must be aware of the way you treat people. Um, you're, you're a member in the Bible where um, God has leprosy. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. He seems to, he doesn't seem to bother anybody. Um, he just leaves people alone. Um, so... You know, it's it's not a situation where he appears to be harming anybody else. He's not doing anything. He's not harassing people. It's not that sort of a thing. He just wants to be left alone. Gabby says, uh, did you think, did they think maybe he just is ready to go home to his maker? Why he doesn't want medical interference? I think that he's just, yeah, he's just indifferent about dying. Like he doesn't care. And, um, you know, he wants to go, um, I guess, naturally. I don't know. Larry, good morning. Carol says it's his right to refuse treatment, however sad that is. Morning, Cheryl. And Dean says he's a very nice man, and I used to speak a lot to him. And he says that he doesn't trust doctors. Well, there you go. He's like an anti-vaxxer. He doesn't trust medicine. Um, I know other people who have different types of cancers. It, it doesn't, it doesn't. You can't see it is the difference, right? So in their case, they're also refusing treatment. They think that they can, well, they're they're refusing what the doctors have said. So they want to pray about it. You know, they're going to let God resolve it for them and whatever. And I mean, you could see them the same way, except you're not seeing their disfiguration because their cancer is on the inside, right? So I think, unfortunately, with him, because of the type of cancer he has, um, it does manifest itself, you know, where everybody knows that something is wrong with this man. And some people don't even know what's wrong with him. They're just going around making assumptions about what is wrong with him. Some people are like, oh, he's got a skin condition. It's not a skin condition, folks. Um, he actually has cancer. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't know. What do y'all think about this? He, he'll go in for a couple days, and I, I will bet you by next week, he'll probably be back out on the streets um, again. So, um, yeah. All right. Um...
see here. So I'm, I'm actually going to, because a lot of people have reached out and I know sometimes people don't always get to watch the program. So I'm, I'm going to do a post about it later on because I don't want people to think that we're not aware of his situation um, or that, you know, help hasn't been tried. People have legitimately tried to help him. Um, so Haley says, aren't we discriminated against him to degree? I can understand if the grocery stores were doing it because he was too weak to shop for himself. But, well, here's the thing, Haley. Um, I don't know if it's discrimination, but it is putting restrictions on his ability to do whatever it is that he wants. And, you know, this goes back to the point that I was making a couple of days ago. Uh, morning, Scott. And that we live in a community environment, right? So there are things that I may want to do that just isn't acceptable in the community. So it may be socially unacceptable. It may be legally unacceptable for me to do certain things. And we have to live within the rules of society. So on the one hand, society isn't comfortable seeing people walk around with different disfigurements. And it's not that, you know, um, you could say stop them. But I think in this case, because of the nature of what his disfigurement looks like and the concerns around there being any health or associated health um, things in relation to that, I could see why a grocery store would say, um, let us help him. Like, you don't have to come into the store because they they could... And it's not even about losing customers, but legit customers may get all sorts of ideas about infections and whatever. So um, I don't know that it's discrimination, but, um, you know, I think once you've seen it, you probably understand why that decision um, could be made. So, yeah, Miss Morna, we just said that we understand he's gone to the hospital um, the hospital isn't going to tell you anything. I mean, reaching out to them isn't going to help. But he's been to the hospital many times, is my point. And he will not stay in the hospital. He will not stay. So um, unless people, somebody uh, applies for Section 5 or whatever equivalent. Um, and Leslie says it's also a hygienic issue because apparently he has his own colony of maggots eating away at his flesh. Haley, like I said, I don't want to show the video or the photos, but it is it is very disturbing. Yes, and I think Leslie has a point that that's where people are concerned. It's unfortunate. I hope he stays in the hospital. I hope someone can convince him to trust a doctor, but we know how difficult that is. We're dealing with you know, that 10% of the population right now um, who refuses to be convinced about the efficacies of medicine in general. And so, you know, those people are probably in a better position to appreciate good medicine even than him. And yet they refuse it. So I kind of think, what do we do to convince him? You know, if we can't convince you, um, then what do we do? I don't know. So it seems like what we do is we restrict his movement, which is uh, what has been done in the past. Look, Cece has popped in. Let me remind you guys, by the way, you can pop in at any time. You want to join the conversation. 
Uh, we did it when we had our anniversary show. I was like, call in. So you guys, I keep having to remind you that you can call in anytime you want. Filters allowed. Real information now filters allowed. Judge number one is showing the island today. Gali feed through now filters allowed. Real information now filters allowed. Judge number one is showing the island today. Morning, Cece. Good morning, Sandy. Good morning, everyone. Morning. What's up? Sandy, I have known that man from I was in Pampers. And he has always been a humble soul, Sandy. Mm -hmm. No harm to anyone. You know, like what, what breaks my heart is that if you see him and offer him food, money, and stuff like that, he'll tell you, no, I good and walk off. Yeah. He asks you for money. Is when he re or something is when he really, really yes. need. You understand? And mm -hmm. it hurts my heart, but something needs to be done. If he is refusing the treatment or help that's given to him, they need to ban him from places and make him see that until he goes and get the help he needs, he cannot be entering establishments because it's, it is it's it breaks my heart. It puts you in a rock in a hard place to say so. But we need to look out for the health of others. Yeah. Fosters, you know, touching the fruits, wanting to purchase his stuff and uh, walking around normal. These things are dropping out of his face. Mm -hmm. That's not mm -hmm. hygiene. That is not safe. And then for you know, him being at the airport park, that's where children plays. That's children's sanctuary. You understand? That's that's yes. It is so not safe. As much as it breaks my heart, I think the courts, the government, um, somebody, they need to implement mandatory treatment. Where if he does not willingly go in for treatment, put him to sleep and give him the help that they can do. Because the way how that look, I don't think there's no going back from that. The least they can do is clean it up and probably try to close it up somehow, plastic surgery or something to the best they can. But I, I don't understand. But Cindy, let me ask you a question. Cause you, you are on the verge of not really being an anti-vaxxer, but you do engage in that conversation a lot. And you say that nobody can force me to take this vaccine. Why do you think anybody can force this man do you 100% know what's in that vaccine? Let me let me start on top of you now. But you yeah, do you do know what you do know what's on it. We could go through the ingredient list. How do you know are you 100% sure what they put inside that because even government lie. We seen that with PPM, you understand? They tell you said well one way and it went the next way. You understand? But, so yes. when, when, they can put ingredients on a bottle. Cindy. Uh -huh. So, so this is exactly how this man thinks. He doesn't trust the doctors, and he says that they're all lying. That he doesn't have skin cancer, and they're not really maggots on his face. Sandy, I'm I'm just saying, like, what makes that situation any different? I got nothing to do with this man. Health. The vaccine is dead ass out here killing people, and nobody yeah. not reporting on top of it. Yeah, it helping some and it killing some. A doctor told uh, me you can be fully vaccinated and still mm -hmm. carry the virus. You can still get it. You can and still yet ninety eight percent of the people who are in the hospital right now dying of COVID are unvaccinated. You have vaccinated people too. Ninety eight percent, Cindy. Listen to what I'm saying. Ninety eight percent. That means 
three to 5%, let's give them the little extra percentages, would be vaccinated people. What, what are you saying? That when you, when you say, oh, you still have vaccinated people too. If the vast majority of people are unvaccinated, what does that say to you? What's the logical if, conclusion? If it was something that could have protect me from getting COVID, yes, I it would. It does protect you. You have at least 50% or more protection. You can still get it and be a carrier. That alone makes no sense. Of course it makes sense. Tell me any, name a single vaccine that's 100% effective. Um, I took chicken pox. I took for measles. I They're took not 100% mom, effective. Mom, but hello, I never got none of that growing up. That doesn't mean, that's because everybody else also took it. <laughs> All right, Cindy, here's the point, right? You believe in individual freedoms, okay? What makes this man's situation any differently? Because I do not feel he is in his right senses. Because I you don't feel that. that. No, 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 no. Wait. From that man house burned down. Think about it. You work all the days of your life. You were ambitious. You never asked people for nothing. You was a humble soul. You were happily married. Whether it was convenience or not. Because she dipped after that house burnt down. I never seen that woman again in my life from his house burnt down. The money government take to put into $3.4 million sidewalk that not even worth half of that. It wouldn't even take a quarter of that, Sandy, to build back that man's house and put him back into his home. You understand? I think mm -hmm. that mentally pushed him over the edge to know he worked his entire life, had his life on track, and it went down blazing before his eyes, Sandy. You understand? That would send anybody mad. And instead of government helping him, they just mm -hmm. left him and make him go about his business on his own. So I feel like he's not in his right mental state, Sandy. Like, Well, no, no one has applied for Section 5. Um, so I don't know. Tell his family to apply for the people that care about him. Honestly, I don't um, have family because if he was personal in my family, I wouldn't even sit down and watch him stay in that situation. He not even my family and I still try and outreach to people to find out what can be done. I'm calling off the hinges to find out what can be done. Sandy, this is a dire situation. Forget the vaccine. Forget everything else that doesn't matter right now. He needs help and he's refusing the help. It should be mandatory in this case because he's walking around. These maggots are dropping all over the place. No one behind him cleaning up. You understand? Like, all right, Cindy, we got some questions for you. Steven wants to know what's the ingredients of a Whopper. The ingredients of a Whopper. <laughs> look like, do I look like Burger King? The point that he's trying to make is how much stuff you take every day that you don't know the ingredients of. The ingredients might be there, but you have no idea what they are. Sandy, these people are not going to make me get ignorant <laughs> on top of your life this morning. Something needs to All be All right, done. my dear. Your point is taken. You think that he should be forced into medical treatment. Sandy, have you seen him in person? I, ha that I have seen. I have seen him. I just told you he was on a flight with me, sitting behind me on a flight. No, no, recently. no, 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 no. I'm sure he had that band up on top of that plane. Mm. Have you seen this cut? I have seen, I have seen him, Cindy. I'm well okay. aware. 
of the I situation. I don't understand how this man is even alive with half of, more than half of his back, his brains, eat out. That look like something off a horror movie. Like 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 the, the wrong turn or something. Like oh, Sandy, I never dream I'll see that in real life. This man look like he is transforming. There should be a point in time where government steps in and say, look, he does not look like, a person does not look like, you understand, they're in their right senses and it would benefit them in the long run. Help him, do something, put him to sleep and give him the help he needs. If he, boy, Sandy, I, I feel like he just reached to the state where, you know, he numb. Your ear All is right. so sensitive. Cindy, thank you for that position. Um, anybody else want to join the program and tell us uh, what you guys think? It is a very, very interesting um, position. Do you force medical treatment on someone who doesn't want it? Yes or no? Um, Cindy says yes, that he should be forced into medical treatment. What do you guys have to say about that? Apparently his family, from what I'm understanding, a lot of people are messaging, uh, are in the BRAC. And, um, you know, I don't know how, what position they're in to actually help him. But some people have said that there are family members who have attempted to intervene. Uh, and unfortunately, he is just not willing to take the assistance. Um, so Judy says... Um, let me just remind you guys, you can join the show with that link there. Judy says the vaccine lowers your viral load, which significantly reduces your chances of hospitalization and transmission. And you may be a carrier, but less uh, able to transmit because the concentration of the virus is lower. Not rocket science. I know, Judy, but people continually um, get it wrong and they keep saying the wrong thing about, oh, you can still catch it. Well, you take birth control pills every day and you can still get pregnant, but that ain't going to stop you from popping the pill because it gives you 90 something percent efficacy. So you still do take it. This is, this is really, I don't understand why this, mis like when you say to people, uh, when they put that out there and you say no, but it reduces it anywhere from 50 to 80 to 90%. There's still that, but there's still that chance. There's also a chance that you could get hit by a bus if you go walking on the street but clearly that doesn't stop you from walking in the street now, does it? Every day there's a chance that you could get killed in a fatality and that does not stop you from getting behind the wheels of a car. Folks, uh, join the program. It's caymanmarrow.com backslash talk show. You just click on that link. You can join in your mobile devices, computers, whatever. Let us have your thoughts. Um, Scott says, in this case, I think, yeah, as well. So he's in agreement with Cece. Uh, Scott believes he's not of right mind. Well, this is a problem. No one has determined that. I think that mentally he can have a conversation with you and he can tell you what he wants and what he doesn't want. So um, I don't know that he has mental health issues. He just, like any other anti-vaxxer, he just doesn't trust medicine. They don't trust the doctor. In his case, one thing I must say, I, I got to give him credit to a certain extent, because at least he is sticking with his position. Like if he doesn't trust doctors and he, he doesn't want the treatment, even if it's going to save his life. Most anti-vaxxers, they're like, oh, if I get really sick, I'm still running to the doctor. 
Uh, Maria agrees with Cece, force him into treatment. Um, Emma says, if y'all don't have something positive to say about this or intend to help make his last days comfortable, STFU, because you all don't know the facts. He's a good person going through a hard time. Imagine the mental challenge he's going through. He's skeptical of the hospital because of something he was exposed to. I've taken him to private doctors and he cooperated with them. But the minute he tried, we tried to take him to the hospital, he bolted. I agree it's not hygienic for others, but then it got cut off. So um, unfortunately, there are no um, private doctors that have a private hospital facility where he can get the level of care that he needs at this point in time, which is quite unfortunate. Um, so Cindy, what, are you, what the hell are you talking about? Maggots done eat out his feelings. So he's numb. Your ears so tender. I can imagine not his feelings. Oh, you mean like the sensation in his ear? Yeah. Maybe he doesn't feel it. I don't know. And it's entirely um, possible that um, the maggots actually are helping him somewhat in the sense that, um, you know, they're actually eating the dead flesh. I think it is very unfortunate, Miss Emma, um, because... You know, what, what What can we do? I mean, I don't know. I honestly don't know if there's very much that we can do. <sighs> Who's going to apply? Someone says habeas corpus and then section five. Um, I think section five is mental health related only. But who is going to make the application to, to do this? Who will be the decision maker? I mean, maybe Mario wants to be the decision maker. He has assisted um, this morning. And um, I guess he's as good as anybody, right? He probably has a little bit more time on his hands. So uh, Mario Rankin, Katina, she's, she's a legal eagle now. She's a QC. Um, so she can, she can step up and assist. It doesn't have to be, I'm guessing, it probably doesn't have to be family. Maybe anybody can make that sort of an application. So someone says, I'm not watching the show yet, so not sure what has been said. Um, his name is, and they provide his name, which we're aware of, and he has some kind of cancer that caused that. It's normally covered by a bandage, but obviously it's not now. He has no family here. His family's in Cayman Brack. And someone paid for a ticket for him to go there and fix up a house there for him to stay in. His family there was cooking for him and taking care of him, but he only stayed there for one month. Uh, he did not want to stay there because he said he wanted to die here. Is, um, and is that his choice, to die where he wants to die? He does not want to go back to Cayman Brack. I've spoken to him personally about this. An ambulance was called for him and he was taken to the hospital. And he was there for about two weeks, but did not want to stay there either. Um, he was sleeping in the airport park and bathing behind the bushes there using water from a bucket. 
So, um, you know, people are saying, well, here's a family member, message them. I mean, at the end of the day, you also can't compel. It doesn't sound like he has um, a lot of family members. So, you know, you can't really compel people to to step up and, and apply that they want to take care of him, especially knowing that he is someone who is not willing to get treatment. Um, I think that anyone who takes on the legal responsibility will have to know that you're going to be forcing this man to do something he doesn't want to do. And at what point does that become an inhumane situation, especially if he is of no harm to anyone? Um, Cece says that she'll do it. Okay, Cece. Uh, we can, I guess, get a lawyer to help you put in the papers for free. So there's nothing, I'm guessing there's nothing in law do, stopping anyone from applying. Um, Louis says leeches have been used to eat dead flesh, keeping down the bacteria. Uh, Michelle says they should assess his situation from mental health and whatever's causing his bacteria eating flesh. Well, it's cancer. It's not just bacteria eating flesh. It's actually cancer. He has cancer that started, um, I think like in the air region. And now as a result of it going untreated, um, this is what has happened. Um, so Cece said, after all, he has made his life here. His house was in swamp and he used to gather a lot of coconuts in his yard. He was an ambitious man. It's really sad to see him in this state. Um, Ms. Valda adds some information to the conversation, saying that he was taken to HSA and I believe hospice a few weeks back. He's a very strong-minded person. It will take professional help but stop circulating his picture like he's an exhibit. Um, he has family. Think of them. I um, think of them. Think of his dignity. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, folks, skin cancer um, can be deadly. And like I said, I'm surprised that he has had it uh, this long, and um, that he is in such a such a state. Um, someone says apparently he has a lot of pension money. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but um, I also told you guys yesterday that someone had shared that he'd given away $8,000 to, to some Honduran woman. Um, I don't think that cost of medical care is the issue. He could certainly get it if he wanted it. I think it's just the fact that he does not want it. And what are you going to do? Tie this man down in his final days? so that you can give him treatment or lock him away so that you don't have to see what ails him. Some of you are saying, yes, that's what we need to do. As South Marjorie says, not sure where story's at, but people please go out and get vaccinated and let's pray and prepare for our borders to get open. Uh, we have to understand it's impossible for us to stay closed. Happy weekend. Um, and listen, folks, you've got days left to get your first vaccine before the borders will start to reopen in October. 
So um, the deadline for the first vaccine, given the October 14th reopening schedule at this time, is September the 9th, which is next week, Thursday. Uh, Buenos dias, Elizabeth. Good morning, Josephine. Josephine said, sad, sad, poor bud bud. Um, yeah, this, this is cancer. And I don't know if you guys have ever known anyone with skin cancer on a personal level. I have. Um, my ex actually had skin cancer. And although technically that's not what eventually killed him, um, it was one of the contributing factors. And, um, you know, it is, it is what it is. Um, and that, that was someone who was rigorously fighting it, who had gotten the treatments recommended. It had gone into remission, but I think other health conditions finally manifest, finally manifested themselves. So, um, folks, all, all sorts of cancers people have and go through, but skin cancer is definitely one that is on the surface of the face. And it's obviously very, very visible. A lot of Caymanians um, do not understand that, you know, even people of color can be susceptible to skin cancers. I was kind of thinking about this this morning as I was showering and getting ready. And my mind was thinking about, uh, you know, what we're going to be discussing today. And I remember a lady, she was an HR manager at one of the local law firms, Caymanian, but didn't really grow up here and stuff. She like left and then came back as a professional. She's no longer in the jurisdiction, but man, this woman used to sunbathe um, so much. Like her skin was so leathery and she was a woman of color, but I never knew what her real pigmentation was without all the sunbathing. Cause she would literally take baby oil lather it on and go bake in the sun for hours because she liked this really brown, 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 crisp look. And I remember looking at her thinking, wow, this is so dangerous, right? That you're sitting out in the sun for hours trying to bake your skin. And she was already starting to get that leathery look, you know, when people get too much sun. And you know, the thing about skin cancers for people of color is you're more likely to die from it. Imagine that because by the time that's no, noticeable given your pigmentation, it has already become a significant health concern. So a black person is more likely to die from skin cancer. They're not as likely to get it necessarily, but when they do get it, they're more likely to die from it than a non-person of color. Isn't that crazy? But it makes logical sense. So Cece says, help her with a down payment and a house and she'll take the vaccine. Well, Cece, $100,000 is up for grabs. Go get it. Um, Aliano says, it's time to put this madness into perspective. I rob a bank. Can I refuse arrest? Yes. But for how long? We need to cut the crap. A situation like this is straight asinine. He's out there rotting to death. What do you expect to do? Sweep it under the rug. He needs to be reprimanded to an emergency center, literally kicking and screaming. Wow. Aliano says, take him by force. Hmm. I'm a little bit surprised to hear that. Um, <laughs> uh, Sue looks like she might know who I'm talking about, who the constant sunbathing. Um, it's crazy. Uh, yes, Cece. It's, it's funny because white people want to be, they don't want to be black. They just want to be well tanned. And black people definitely want to be bleached 
It is very, very crazy that people are never happy with what they got. The irony of it all. Um, let me see. So somebody else says that he was selling coconuts in front of Port Authority building, but had his ear covered up all until the pandemic and cruise ships stopped coming. So he's had this cancer for years. Uh, it's not something new. His pension money is done. He told me that. And you're right. He gave a, he bought a bicycle and gave the rest to a Spanish woman. Those were his words. So he has no more pension. So those y'all who think he got loads of money and pension, apparently that is not the case. Um, he was a longstanding government employee. Someone says that he used to work at the dock. Does government pension ever run out though? I thought you always got a pension from them. But I guess you can take a lump sum, right? And then it's done. Maybe he took that option. I don't really know. His nickname is Horse. H horse. Horse. Okay. Um, so someone just sent me another video. Why y'all? Y'all got to send me every video under the sun. There's a video in circulation coming out of Jamaica with a woman committing suicide. And y'all feel the need to send me that. I have seen it. Ay, ay, ay. Let me scratch my back, y'all. Because I, I, I need to scratch my head. But at this time, I'm going to scratch my back. I've seen it, but I don't think y'all need to be sending it to me. Oh. Even Sue likes a little bit of color, she says. She likes to sunbathe. All right, folks, let's leave this poor man alone um, on this show, at least. Um, I don't know what else to tell you. Um, you know, if he has money, then that might help with his care, but he still doesn't want the care. So, um, yeah. All right, let's talk about the school situation yesterday. So from one bad situation to the next. Um, you've gone from someone who unfortunately isn't getting the medical care that they uh, need to our children acting out and um, assaulting people. Now, we have gotten bits and pieces of this information. And so I'm now told that apparently um, one person says uh, this is a quarter to one in the morning. I guess they were thinking about this situation. They said, good night, Miss Sandra. This is a picture of the teacher that assaulted the student at, at um, Clifton Hunter High School. Her name is Miss, and everybody knows that she's the vice principal, Miss Vassal. Want you to show her picture in your show tomorrow when you're speaking about the topic to the public and the bus warden. Her name is Hyacinth. She works for Tony Powell. How they dealt with the student was totally wrong and something has to be done about it. Keep up the great job. God bless you. Um, and she's the vice principal. Um, well, listen, folks. Here's the situation. Um, this, this is one of those situations where, unfortunately, I think the adults forget who should be the more mature person, you know? 
And I was also thinking about this this morning in relation to my own daughter. Okay. So she got up this morning. She has to go back to school and she was a little bit miserable as children get. Um, and so, you know, she was like, oh, she didn't want to get up. And then the outfit that I picked, can I tell you, I love school uniforms. That makes morning so simple. You don't have a choice. You put this on right now. She's not in the school uniform phase yet. I cannot wait until she gets there because once she gets the school uniforms, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Five days a week, we don't have to think about what you're going to wear because now she's coming into her own personality and she thinks that she knows what she wants to wear to school, right? So she's got choices. No, I want to wear that. And I don't want to wear that. I'm like, that doesn't even go together. So the first pair of pants that she picked out, they were too tight. I cannot believe I'm saying this, but she's actually growing. Now she's five years old. She's growing. So they were a little bit tight in her. She put on a brand new pair of pants yesterday, folks, because they were like slim jeans or whatever. And they were too tight. I was like, thank you, Jesus. This child's actually going to put on a few pounds. So anyway, um, you know, she's, I don't want to wear this. I don't wear that. And as I was sitting there trying to brush her teeth and she was going on miserable still, I was thinking for a second, I could lose my patience in this situation so early in the morning, but what good would that do really, right? Um, It's just going to make her more upset, more frustrated. And I'm the adult here and I'm thinking she's only five years old. And I'm like 40, how old am I now? 47, 48, whatever. And I've had years of experience trying to control my temper. And I'm even thinking about losing my temper this morning, just out of frustration. This is what I tell y'all, don't put your, don't put your hands on your children because you're doing it out of frustration and out of not really thinking the situation through. So literally I'm having this conversation in my mind as I'm brushing my daughter's teeth. Like what would losing my temper and yelling at her do in this moment? absolutely nothing positive. And the opposite is going to happen. She's going to get upset. She's going to not probably want to go to school then. And I was like, you know what? Just Zen moment. Just mm, brush the teeth, leave it alone. What we're hearing that happened is this child who has a situation. So Patricia says the child has ADHD, more understanding and training is needed. I don't know if the child has ADHD, but I do know based on who the child is, who have heard the child is, that I could understand why the child would have anger issues and other issues. And I would suggest whoever the caretakers of the child is, that they get the child into counseling. Because listen, the child's mother has been um, has died in unfortunate circumstances. And any child who has to deal with that sort of trauma in life, I would say that they're going to struggle middle school, elementary school, even in high school, even as an adult, when you lose someone that you're very, very close to, um, a parent, you know, any family member, you struggle with that loss and how to cope and how to deal with it. So is this child getting any counseling? That was the first thing that came to my mind when someone said, you know, this child stays with another relative because the grand, the mother was killed and the people who are taking care of the child have like a bunch of children to take care of. So I'm sure it's not an easy situation. So the child was told to sit in the front of the bus instead of being able to sit in the back of the bus with um, his sister and some others. I don't know why that decision was taken, and I would like to hear some further information on that. Um, I think that it's understandable why someone would want to sit with a sibling, especially, and people that they're comfortable with, even on a bus. Like, why would you be ostracizing 
the kid and tell him to sit up at the front of the bus. To me, that sounds a little bit like when I heard that, I'm like, why would they be doing that? Like, I, I want to hear a logical explanation as to why that was done. Was he misbehaving? Was there, I mean, this is like the first couple days of school. When did school start? And already we have a big incident like this on a school bus. Y'all need to get it together. So then my understanding is the bus warden, which I was shocked to find out is a woman, decides to drape this kid up, right? And uh, let me tell you what was said to the poor child so that we can put it in proper context, allegedly, because again, obviously we were not there. So we can only tell you uh, what is being said to us. But the bus warden allegedly said, hey, little boy, come here, and then grabbed him by the collar, started somehow kind of choking him and pulling him up by the collar. Now, y'all know right then we got a problem. Interestingly enough, the little boy did not respond in that moment. He didn't punch the bus warden in the face. So I think it says a lot that he was able to maintain his demeanor to some degree. Then he was told, if you don't do X, Y, Z, um, we're going to turn the bus around and go back to the school. And that's what ended up happening. It was when the school principal, the vice principal, my apologies, and the guidance counselor came on the bus that then he started to cry and have a temper tantrum. And then I guess once the principal, the vice principal approached him, apparently he punched her in the face and punched her in the chest. Is that right or wrong? Of course it's wrong. But I think we also need to understand this kid is probably what? 14 years old. And, you know, he's now in a situation where he has lost control of the situation emotionally and he lashes out physically, but he lost control because the adults in this situation, in my opinion, lost control from the second that bus warden draped him up. You have to know how to um, talk to children and how to deal with children, especially children that might be dealing with issues. So I was surprised to hear that the guidance counselor was there. And then no one, like, where was she in terms of like calming the situation down? Because she's the only person who was professionally trained to do so, it seems like to me. All right, Cece's back. Hello. Hey, Sandy. I, I had a similar experience mm -hmm. with my child. Some of these bus wardens have nothing about them. My son had an incident on the Georgetown primary school bus one time where the bus warden did, in fact, put her hands on top of him. They need to be trained and know, understand that you are a bus warden. You're not supposed to, at any given point, put your hands on someone's child. That child should have punched her in the face as she put her hands on top of his collar. You understand? Mm -hmm. Politely ask the child to move to the front of the bus if there's a reason to, for moving him. We, we weren't there. We don't know the situation. If he doesn't want to move, call for help. Go back to the school like y'all suggested and get the guidance counselor or whoever to come on the bus and explain the situation. But from she put her hands on top of that child, she was wrong. 
Sandy, when I was told that this bus warden at Joshan Primary put her hands on top of my child, my only intention was to go beat her on top of that bus with all them children. I'm dead serious. They need to be trained and they need to understand it's not okay to put your hands on top of people's children. And then she lied. Everybody on top of the school bus saying, you touch my child, you hit my child. And she's saying, no. How that look? So every child on top of the bus lying? Come on, I, they really need to launch an investigation into this. I was so mad when that took place with my child. I asked my moment to go and deal with it because if I had deal with it, I was going to be on my road. I'm telling you. You understand? Like something needs to be done. They need to understand these are children you're working with. You can have diff mm -hmm. they can have different personalities, temper. They can be excited. They're back to school from a pandemic. They've been locked up in a prison for so long. They finally get set free. Like you can have some excitement, or you understand? Like I not mm. see this person in a while. You know, again, have some fun time before we go home. Stuff like that. But you could handle the situation better. Mm. I'm sorry that it was the vice principal that he punched in the face, but it should have mm -hmm. been that bus warden. <laughs> okay. Lord. All right. Um, folks, what are we thinking here? Thank you, Cece. We appreciate it. Um, anybody else want to call in and give your opinion? Cece said um, it should have been the bus warden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Call Archute News Podcast. Call Archute News Podcast. Come make we talk on the live broadcast. Come make we talk on the live broadcast. This is the K-Man number one live talk show. Come make we talk where you're going on the news. All right. Uh, Michael says that, Sandra, the wardens are not trained. Well, that's obvious. Um, Patricia, good morning. I think that was the previous conversation. Or this is a typical action of this illness. Oh, you mean the ADHD? Um, so yes, I agree, Elizabeth, that this is a case of provocation and also embarrassment. I, do you guys remember when you were kids, the things that would set you off, that would make you have a tantrum? Does anybody remember? Um, I remember because I suppose I probably had in my mind and probably my aunt's mind, what was some epic situations at the time. But my thing is I would get so angry and so upset and felt like I couldn't express myself that what I would have to end up doing is crying because I really wanted to punch somebody in the face, but I never did that, <laughs> you know? So the alternative for me was to just cry because that was my release. I couldn't, you know, you, when you grew up in households and in homes, and this is why I'm telling you all as parents, please review how you are treating your children. Because when they grow up in a household where they're told, they have no voice. They're not an adult. Speak when you're spoken to. This is how Caribbean people treat children, right? And you don't allow them to express themselves. Nobody should be surprised when they act out in other ways. So allow, if your children are upset about something, right? Even sometimes I see my daughter, she's only five years old. And I'll see her crying and, you know, whatever. And I say, what, what's wrong? What is it? Tell me. Use your words. Because she's crying because she's frustrated about something. Sometimes she just wants to have her way and it's not going to go that way. And we need to have a talk about it. Other times, it's a matter of not being able to express themselves because of their um, lack of command of the English language. Or feeling like you're not listening to them in the moment and you just need to say, 
let's have a conversation. There's nothing worse for a teenager than public embarrassment in real time, right? So you're sitting there in the bus, you're demanding that he sits in the front of the bus. Why was that decision even made? That's, that's where this all starts. We don't need to start with when she put her hand on him. We need to start with why were you insisting that he sit at the front of the bus? Why? When he has a sibling, most times siblings want to sit together. You know, was there some bus protocol that dictated he needed to be at the front of the bus? Help us understand what happened. Now, you know, education, a claim that they're going to investigate this and we'll never hear another update ever again. Whatever happened to the teacher last year with the exorcism? Somebody asked me that yesterday. We don't know. We never get any updates about these things. They just slide under the radar and everybody continues with business as usual. So I do think that this um, child was embarrassed, being made a spectacle of, being draped up on the bus. And let's be very honest, he's a young man now who is coming into his own in some sense of the word. And that's embarrassing that what the kids today would be talking about, boy, you make that bus warden drape you up, boy, I would have punched her in her face, you know, she wouldn't have touched me like that. I, I can visualize and hear the conversation that those little kids would be having today, bullying that little boy and messing with him because an adult doesn't know how to control themselves and how to handle a situation. Why was she draping this kid up? Why was she touching him even? I'm, I'm very uncomfortable when I hear this story. And it's unfortunate because a lot of adults feel like they have a right to put their hands on children, their own children and other people's children. And I'm going to tell you the truth. Um, that is just absolutely wrong. And if you have, I don't care if it's the bus driver, the bus warden, teachers, school administrators, the cafeteria man. This isn't an episode of South Park where a teacher can beat up a kid and it's okay because it's it's funny and it's, you know, a cartoon. This is real life. So a situation was permitted, in my opinion, to escalate to the point where when the principal walked into it, it was already, it was already escalated. And then she just rolls up on this kid trying to take him off the bus. And his response was punching her in the face. Now, he was dead wrong for that. He has, to, he has to learn to respond differently and to control his behavior. So, yes, without a doubt, um, he'll be facing some consequences for his actions. So Loretta says nowadays uh, the eyes don't work with kids anymore. Child... I don't know what happened to that eye treatment, but Gabby says yes. And the teacher who was supposedly being inappropriate with female students, whatever happened with that? Oh, he's back at work. No issues there, folks. He's back at work traumatizing the little girls because they're so afraid. They try to do the right thing and try to talk about how he's touching them on the buttocks and rubbing up against them and all kind of stuff. And when they reported it, nothing, nothing happens because, oh, his wife works in this unit and blah, blah, this and blah, blah, that. Jesus. The madness that happens in this country sometimes is quite astonishing. Cece says, I'm telling you, my two-year-old laughs at me like he would seriously look 
me back in his eyes the way when I looked at him. Um, Y'all have not mastered that look. Uh, Mia says, um, you're putting a lot of words in the child's mouth. What are both sides? Well, we want to hear both sides. I think we would love to hear exactly um, what has transpired. We only have third-party accounts of what happened. So other children and um, others who, you know, might be connected to the school. So someone says that I used to say to so-and-so's stepfather and father of our son, pick your battles. Is there a real reason for that child not to wear his wellies on the plane, a life or death situation? Then leave the boy alone. This is some advice from a parent. Uh, she says, um, hold on one second. Let me put this up on the screen so you can see her questions. What a hot mess, y'all. So this parent has some insight. I cropped out the names to protect the children. <laughs> she says, um, what was this warden's reason as to why this particular child had to sit up front? Had he threatened another child? Was his behavior, um, was there a behavior of indecent, was there suspicion, sorry, of indecent behavior? What was her reason for having him sit having to sit up front because he did something last year. Kids grew up and they learned from their behaviors. At least we hope that they do. I don't know. No one has said uh, what the reasoning was. So we don't know. So this parent says that they're just trying to understand. I'm trying to understand too, to be honest. Uh, don't have that information. I'm afraid. Um... question from someone else says is what did they what did the child do it appears we're giving too many excuses for what was done without knowing what actually happened that's a good point to know well this uh, these are the questions that we're asking we don't know we don't know why the child was being to be being forced um to sit up front. I don't know. But this is where the school administrators now need to do, um, they need to do their, their research and investigate this properly and give a report. The, these investigations that either go nowhere or the public doesn't know if they go anywhere are wholly unhelpful. All right. We need to know as a community, we're having this discussion. We get at least part of the story coming out to us. Why is it that we don't know when an investigation has been completed, when it's taken place and what the outcome of the investigation actually was? So Elizabeth says, I agree with Cece. I had the same situation, the bus warden acting like immature. I asked her, what's the issue with my child? The response was shocking. She's acting like she's the child. Well, I made myself clear to her, um, don't have nothing to say to my child. Few days, she was no longer working on the bus. I feel that young man, because he has no mummy um, to go to. My daughter shares everything with me. You, um, you're right, Sandy, with the lockdown and all that's going on, stress out. Um, 
the old bus warnings, I guess, because that woman was, and sorry, it got cut off. Um, some of these bus wardens go too far. I had an issue with one of them because she had an issue with my five-year-old falling on the bus, falling asleep on the bus next to his sister. Now he's 19. And even today, as the car moves, he falls asleep. A five-year-old falling asleep. Why would a bus warden have an issue with that? Kids fall asleep on bus. Like you said, adults fall asleep on buses. That's stupid. Um, that's crazy. But again, I think that um, maybe some training of bus wardens and sensitivity training of bus, bus wardens is necessary. What qualifies you to be a bus warden? Do you have to know anything about working with children? The reason that you're there is to assist um, in a safe journey home and, and to school. And so you would think that these bus wardens would have had like conflict resolution training but I'm willing to bet my last dollar that not a single one of them have ever done that sort of training. What are they trained in? How do you get hired as a bus warden? Are they trained in CPR? Are they trained in first aid? Do they know any of this stuff? Or are they just anybody that can apply for a job and get stuck with uh, working with your kids? Hmm? I'm wondering. Loretta says that her daughter, who's 10, uh, tries that with her, but she does not get away with it. Mona, Mona sorry, says both parties need to learn self-control. Yes, but how do you compare the self-control of a 13 or 14-year-old kid? I don't know how old the bus warden is, but she's probably in her 40s or 50s. I, I can't have the same level of expectation of a 14-year-old than I can of a 50-year-old, if you know what I mean. Because you've had an entire lifetime um, of trying to practice self-control. And so ultimately the young man was wrong. You cannot assault people. And even at 14, that message has to be very, very, very crystal clear. But at the same time, the bus warden who appears to have somehow started the situation, um, you know, needs to be very much aware and cognizant of the fact that they cannot do this. You can't be draping up people's children because there might actually be consequences or that type of behavior as well. Crazy. Um, we'll, we'll reach out the powers that be and see if we can get any sort of an explanation for this folks. As usual, it is oftentimes uh, very, very difficult to get anything from education department on these types of situations. Now, speaking of that, Ms. Velva says strike out. Uh, was his way of getting through to them that he felt disrespected. Most children fight to be understood. Sometimes adults don't listen, so they give them no choice, but strike out even if they come across as rude and disruptive, talking from experience. Um, which man are you referring to now? Uh, the gentleman that we were speaking about earlier? Like I said, a lot of people have, have tried to help this man, and he just doesn't want the help. 
So listen to what somebody else has sent in in terms of a message in relation to the school situation. Give me one second here. Um, oh gosh, where did that message go? Mm -mm. Oh, it looks like, um, oh, yes, yes, yes. Now I remember who sent it. So there was another situation at Clifton Hunter this morning at not Clif yeah, Clifton Hunter, Clifton Yes. So heavy police presence at Clifton Hunter High School this morning, K-9 unit plus uniform unit, looks like USG, disturbing. I asked why, and they said this is routine. Wow. Wow. That's routine, folks. Whoa. That's a little bit disturbing. Uh... And you wonder why um, sensible parents are trying to trying to get their kids in a private institution because say what you want about private schools, that's not the sort of thing that is considered routine at any private institution in the Cayman Islands. <sighs> it is a little bit disturbing. Yes. That they say that's routine. Mm-mm-mm. Wow. I uh, don't even know what to say about that one. That one has me dumbfounded. Wow. All right, good folks. Um, Sue says, is this today? Yes, yes, my dear Sue. That is uh, this morning. So police are there. I don't know what they're looking for, but that's the new life, the new routine at, uh, Kristen, at Clifton Hunter, at least. Um, police should be in place in the school buses. So is that going to be the new routine to put have police presence on the buses? Um, are the police in any better of a situation to assist on a school bus than anybody else? So I'm curious, what do you all think about this? Um, I don't know. Are they better trained? than the current bus wardens to deal with young people. I mean, it's not like they're gonna be on there with any weapons, I would hope to God not. So Celine, help me understand how the police would be more effective than the bus warden if they're equally not even trained to deal with conflict resolution, young people and so on and so forth. I don't think just because they're police that that is the solution. And I also feel a bit of a way, tell me what you guys think about this. 
of constantly forcing your children to believe that the only way that they can behave is in front of a police officer. So it takes that level of force. Like, oh, the police are here, so now you better be on your best behavior. I think that that certainly sends a wrong message to our children. So district administration in Cayman Brack has just sent out a message that all of its sections, PWD, daycare, Heritage House Museum, will be closing today, Friday, September the 3rd at 12.30 p.m., to facilitate a um, staff function and they apologize for any convenience that this may cause. Why are we just knowing about this at 8.55 in the morning? It's now 8.59, but they sent it at 8.55. Why are we just knowing about this? That you're gonna close half a day today? Government, get yourselves together. Natasha, morning, my dear. The police are not properly trained to de-escalate the situation between students. I didn't think so either. And Dean, thank you so much. Um, yeah, I'm not sure that the police are going to be any better at handling this, to be quite frank. And in fact, it might even be worse in the sense that there are some young people who have a an aversion to dealing with the police because of their experiences like through their family and so forth. And so, um, you know, putting a police on a bus may really be counterproductive. This is where we got to think about some of these um, decisions that we're making as it relates to our children. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that that's the, that's the right solution there. You know, I'm open to hearing why you think that would work, though. Mm -mm. Okay, so we do have someone here who is uh, sending us some additional comments on WhatsApp. What's up? This is morning and a more positive note. Uh, Justin Wright started his first date, came in prep today for year 12, sixth form. Oh, that's that young man, Justin. Oh, wonderful. On the video of the youth symposium, which he featured at um, hour one, minute 23, Justin does the vote of thanks. Then he talks about how much support he's gotten from John Gray, shares how he feels that he was able to turn his life around from 60% attendance to uh, getting excellent grades. Many young people can choose to make better choices if they have positive role models and some support. Um, so yes, a shout out to Justin. Can you send me Justin's picture? And um, I will do a very special shout out for him. We love to encourage as, as much as we want to hold our um, young people responsible, um, we also need to understand the challenges that they are dealing with. And believe me, when I tell you that, you know, a lot of the challenges are of no fault of their own. It's situations that they have been born into and situations that uh, they've just been dealt a rough hand. 
in life. And so as a community, we have to be there to support them because otherwise if we don't give them the support and the opportunity to turn things around. They become the next generation that's going to end up in prison. That's going to be gangbanging and all this other stuff. And then we still have to try to deal with the problem at that stage. So why don't we get ahead of it um, and support these young people as much as we can? There are a lot of good programs on this island, I must tell you, that do a lot of good, whether you guys recognize it or not. And whether it's we save one Justin, we've saved one young person, listen, every single one saved can then have a positive impact on the lives of other people. And that's why as adults, I think it's incumbent on us to do our best to be positive influencers on them. Now, I believe in a little bit of tough love, but I also believe in a whole lot of positivity. So Morna says the policeman should have been there from the time that the students were carrying brownies, um, the, the marijuana brownies. Yeah, for sure. But that wasn't on the bus per se. Um, you know, I don't know that children should be able to bake goods and bring it to school in any event. Estrella, thank you. Um, yeah, they're going to be at John Green next week. I'm sure the police now have, they recognize it because of how far gone, how far it's gone in the wrong direction, that their presence, at least at the schools, is, is required to some extent. Um, so are they doing any mentoring to these students? It would give support to the students and a proper image. When the police, uh, back when I was in school, they had mentoring. I mean, like I said, there are some programs, Estrella, that are available. There is um, Christopher Murray with his Boys to Men program. Um, you know, I, I, what I would love to see is us now to show with some sort of empirical data, do these programs work? You know, Boys to Men has been around for, I think, a number of years now. Are we following any of those young people in the program to say, you know, 2% have gone on to university, 20% have gone on to university? Like somebody needs to be collecting the data. It's great to have these programs. And we see some empirical, or I don't know if empirical is really the word I'm looking for here, but we see some, um, that's not the right word. We see some uh, anti anecdotal evidence that it's working. So when we see a Justin, we're like, yes, he's the product of the Boys to Men program. That has worked for him. But Boys to Men has been around a very, very long time. And I want to know who keeps any of the data to say that this young person, and of course this is, being in a boys to men program is only one contributing factor, right? But it would still be interesting to see who keeps track of these young people and their progress through life and how they end up doing. Um, not boys to men, my apologies. Big brothers, big sisters. I was thinking of, I'm still thinking of Pastor Murray. Um, so we have different programs. So we have boys to men, which is Pastor Murray and that's run through John Gray High School. But Justin is actually in Big Brothers Big Sisters program. And Big Brothers Big Sisters, I think, has been around for 20, 25 years. It's a long time because I feel like uh, my girlfriend, Melanie, used to be a big sister. And that was way back when we were just fresh out of university, you know. Um, so what information over the years, 25 years, thank you. I felt like it's been that long. What information has been collected over the 25 years? 
to show how well this program works or not. It's a supported program. You know, a lot goes on in homes that make children, unfortunately, very, very high risk. And we need to start addressing some of those issues as well. So Velva says they run school like um, a boot camp. The teachers speak and handle those children in demanding, demanding demeanor um, would be a pleasant when enforcing their rules to be a better solution. I agree with police presence because the solution, oh, I think something is missing in this. So I think the point that Valve is trying to make is um, maybe children need a little bit of positivity in their lives. And I get it. If you're at home and you're growing up in a home environment, people are constantly yelling at you and screaming at you and degrading you in your home environment. And then you turn around and that is also happening um, you know, in schools, I mean, what do you expect that we're going to be producing except children with low self-esteem and behavioral issues? You know, how many of these children get to hear that they have any value, that you're loved and that you are important and that your life matters? You know, if, they, if they're never hearing any of those positive messages, how much do you think that they're going to be wanting to contribute and to make something out of themselves? Big shout out to our YouTube listeners. We've got 68 people um, joining us on YouTube. Um, 167, gone up to 168. And Facebook, that's 236 in total. Thank you so much. Miss Sue says, not all parents can afford private school and lots of kids can do well in public school education. Yeah, I'm not saying to go put your children in private school. What I'm saying is um, at times there is a very stark difference between the two and how they operate and how they handle situations. Uh, no school is perfect. And I think that there are, without a doubt, um, issues that are in private institutions as well. But then we have to really look at the reality of the situation and admit that there's some issues that you just do not hear about in a private school. And maybe because you are paying good money, there is some degree of accountability for the administrators. Because when you start to ask questions, you're like, listen, remember that money that I just paid for the term? Shape up. So, um, you know, pu uh, public school, I'm hearing from parents, they don't even feel like they have a say. Like they're complaining, they're saying stuff. Listen, 99% of y'all didn't want the current minister returned. You didn't have a say in that. <laughs> She's back. Um, has she engaged you guys in any sort of meaningful conversation? A lot of you are concerned about the education board members being changed out and who's now there setting a lower standard um, for your children for their achievement. Who's going to listen to you? You're not even paying for them to go to school is probably what the school administrators are thinking. So, you know, they do what they want to do. It's a tough situation as people say you're between a rock and a hard place, that's for sure. And everybody deserves to be spoken with um, or spoken to with respect, including your children. But you see, this is the point that I'm making. When you have adults who themselves have grown up a lifetime of people treating them a certain way, of them not knowing how to communicate effectively with other people, all they know is screaming and yelling and cussing and carrying on the fool, right? And you put them in positions as educators. So they, it's like 
in the Caribbean and in Cayman, we have two extremes. This is this is how I feel about it. We're either 100% dysfunctional, and we only know that side of things, um, or we're on the opposite side where uh, we are got the Bible. Where's my little Bible? It's around here somewhere. Uh, we've got the Bible, and we are, you know, um, a thousand percent preaching the gospel. But then some of y'all be taking that a little bit too far as well, in terms of your position there. And you're still not educating yourself and how to communicate with people. You just want to pray it out of them and beat them over the head with the Bible. And so those two extremes, in my opinion, leaves a lot to be desired. You have to find some sort of middle ground. Um, there's nothing wrong with being principled and with having um, your Bible-based and religious beliefs. But some of those same people are some of the worst people in the world, right? In terms of how they handle a situation. And they think, well, if I tell you X about the Bible and you don't believe me, then I'm going to physically make you do so or whatever. It's like, we need some real tangible life skills. Parents need to know how to deal with children from the babies all the way up. And stop thinking that force is the way to get what you want. Because then when children react with force, you're like, oh, why did he punch this teacher in the face? Let me ask y'all a question. What other mechanisms or tools has he ever been given in life to deal with problems? Like I said, is the kid getting any counseling because he doesn't have a mom? Has anybody afforded these children counseling? Who's teaching them how to communicate? And when you're feeling stressed, and I mean, in that moment, I can only imagine he was probably crying out of frustration because he wanted his mother. He wanted to be able to go home to his mother and say, listen, this is what happened to me today. And he has no mom to go home to. So our children are dealing with very, very difficult situations. We don't have the life skills to help them a lot of times. And we're also not giving them the counseling and the life skills that they need. Uh, Dana, thank you so much. She says the importance of a positive attitude. You can't get to work expecting the worst. You go in with a positive attitude, especially when working with children. Act in a way that makes um, you someone that kids look forward to seeing in the morning. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Sue says that's why you don't hear it. They hide it well, especially with teenagers. Miss uh, Lulu says speak the truth in love. I think we could all do with a little bit more of that. Um, thank you very much. All right. So adverse childhood experiences, if children have four or more of these and they do not get appropriate help, intervention or support at the right time, then you can see the long-term effects. So let's have a look at this little diagram here, folks, so that we can bring the point home. Um, in a real and meaningful way. So it's not good enough for us to just have an opinion on this as, you know, should be the case with most things that we're dealing with. There are logical and real reasons for why things are happening in a particular way. So let's have a look at some of these adverse childhood experiences. Wow, neglect, emotional or physical neglect, emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, household challenges, domestic violence, 
substance abuse, mental illness, parental separation slash divorce, incarcerated parents. So four more adverse childhood experiences called an ACE, which is defined as a traumatic event that can have negative lasting effects on health and well-being. If a child has four or more of these, um, you see a substantial increase in um, the issues that they're going to have in life. 11 times more likely to engage in intravenous drug use. Three times more likely to have um, levels of lung disease and adult smoking. 14 times the number of suicide attempts. Four times as likely to have begun uh, sexual intercourse by the age of 15. Four and a half times more likely to develop depression. Wow. Two times more likely to have um, liver disease. Oh my gosh. And all of those things, look at where adverse childhood um, experiences down at the bottom. But then have a look, folks, at what the end result is. My goodness. This is not good. And if you have six or more of these, you're more likely to die 20 years earlier than those who don't have any. But here's the kicker. 67% of the population has, has at least one of these. Whoa. So um, I think that I need to bring in some experts to talk about these adverse childhood experiences. I'm going to reach out to some good folks. Another commenter says, I heard of a teacher just last week, school started, who told a child, I should have retired a long time ago. I'm only here because government is paying me. Same teacher I complained about for telling my child it was the government's fault why the school was set up the way that it was when his class was telling him that they could not hear her because the class seemed to have, the class next to them was making noise. One of my sons was part of the Boys to Men program and it had a positive impact on him. He did a complete 180 and is back on track where he needs to be. You see, these are antidotal stories. I love those, but I think at some point we need to start tracking the success of um, these programs. But thank you very much for sharing that. Why are teachers going around telling people, telling children that they don't want to be there basically and that they should have retired? Hmm? Something is, is drastically wrong with that sort of situation. At Velva says also the students are always wrong and get punished for trying to defend themselves when they are provoked into acting out. It is a lot to, to take in, but unless we are having um, these meaningful dialogues with people, um, 
you know, not much will ever change, unfortunately. Oh, what a hot mess. We have a lot of work to do without a doubt, folks. Um, I suppose at the end of the day, we all have our part to play in this, both on an individual level. So each of us, if you have children, you have a responsibility to your child, first and foremost. I always say you can't go out there trying to save the world if you can't even handle your own business at home. You know, if you can't keep your family together, if you cannot, um, you know, keep your child from becoming another statistic, then um, none of this will, will matter, right? You can't go out there trying to save the world. And I do kind of find it um, interesting that there are people who wish to get on a platform and don't consider how they themselves have failed, failed their wives, failed their children. And, you know, they're just at home because it's convenient for them to do so. And they can't afford to live anywhere else. But everybody knows the hot mess of a life that they have had and continue to have because they don't want to be held accountable. They, they want to talk about um, the failures of the system and the government, but no, no concept of personal accountability and personal failures, which we have all had, but how do you recover from that, right? If you haven't been able to get on a different path and correct your journey, what makes you an expert to be able to get up and talk to anybody else about what's going on in their lives? It's one of the reasons why I try to share, even as a parent, um, some of the frustrations that I have and some of the things that sometimes go through my head. And would it be easier for me to be beat my child into submission every day? I'm sure it would be. But I refuse to do that. I need to hold myself to a higher standard, right? Even if that was not the example that I grew up with, you can change the narrative. You can change behavior. You can change way of thinking and processing um, information. It takes a lot of work and it's not always easy, you know, and sometimes I have a lot of internal conversations with myself about certain things. And I share that with you because I hope that you probably understand where I'm coming from. Like there are moments when you probably are thinking some of the same things. You're just like, what the hell? What kind of day? Like, I'm just, I've had enough today. Like kids, you know, everybody just go to bed. Um, you know, we all sympathize or should be in a position to sympathize with each other as parents and as members of this community if we are striving to do better and to be better. But that's different than getting up on a pedestal and trying to pretend to be something that you're not. Because I think in those situations, um, you know, well, nobody's going to believe you. If you're, if you're living a lie, trust me when I tell you, you're probably not fooling a whole lot of people. They, they see the lie and they understand. It's challenging, but that's where we're at, folks. So I thank you all for tuning in as usual. Miss Sue, I'm going to close the program just five minutes early today. I do have to get to an appointment. Um, child, I need to get my hair sorted out for the day. 
Um, I will be conducting an interview this afternoon. I don't know when it's going to air yet, um, but you guys, I'll tell you on Monday who it's with. I'm hoping that it happens today because time is, is of the essence. Um, a listener shares that parenting is hard work. Uh, it takes the use of a lot of skills, negotiations, flexibility, problem solving, multitasking, the list goes on. Uh, this is built for the, I think they meant to say this is not built for the weak or faint of heart. Isn't that interesting? Because unfortunately, most people don't even think about that. Um, they don't think about the responsibility that comes with parenting. Most parents don't get, you don't have children because you think, oh, this is going to be hard work. You just have children just because your that birth control may not have worked. <laughs> you know, that wasn't 100%. Just like Pfizer is 100%. Neither is the pill or whatever other method you were using. Uh, a lot of parents don't have children when they, when they want to have children. You know? Um... It's unfortunate, but those are the realities. And when you're not all that invested in having children to begin with, chances are you're not going to really care about putting in the hard work that it's going to take consistently over at least 18 plus years. That's a lot. That's a lot. Most of us can't even commit to a relationship for 18 years. But when you have children, that's what it is. Good people. Perla, you missed a lot today. You're going to have to go back and hit that rewind button and start over. Miss Lulu, Miss Valva, Dana, Derek. We have a few men here. What happened to Bruce? I used to enjoy Bruce coming on the program and engaging with us. Bruce was always trying to hold us to higher standard, which I love. I find that a lot of men, I know uh, Bishop Hero Blair is here. A lot of the men just kind of sit back and they're very silent. Uh, Mr. David, we've got Scott that's here. Um, they're silent on a lot of things that relate to like parenting and stuff like that. But I want to know what you guys are up to because a lot of you are fathers, you are parents, your father, your grandfather, um, you know, uncles, Michael. So what is your take on some of these discussions? We like to engage you more to hear what you all have to say. Uh, Valva says, because it brands a child from his childhood into adulthood, the impact from school brings a lot of struggle into adult life to find one's true identity. So sometimes it's easier just to give in to the sector of the society that accepts you, even if it destroys you in the end, just being accepted means a lot to young people. Ah, Valva makes a valid point. And that leads to gangs. People want to be involved in gangs because, listen, those are other kids or maybe a little bit older adults that um, just, you know, accept you for who you are, your, your quirks and dysfunctionalities and everything else. And there is certainly something to be said for that. It's easy, that's for sure. All right, my good folks, I thank you so much again for tuning into the program today. Um, I want you guys to have a wonderful weekend. Thank you, Rita. You have a wonderful weekend as well. Uh, please be safe on the roadways, on the waterways, whatever you're up to this weekend. Um, be extra cautious. Be safe. We've got a couple more days, folks, before that September the 9th deadline to get vaccinated. Speak to uh, a qualified professional if you're still on the fence about this. Um, speaking of which, did you guys see the news story from yesterday about this beautiful young lady 
who died in Jamaica. Um, it does not look like she was vaccinated. Um, she actually, let me just see if I can pull up the, the, um, let me just see if I can pull up. She is a popular Jamaican Instagram model. Um, gorgeous, gorgeous young lady, but COVID does not care what you, what you look like folks. Uh, look at this. She is now dead at the age of 26 years old. Her father is a race car driver. Um, her name is Steffi, Stephanie, AKA Steffi Greg, um, popular social figure in Jamaica and the daughter of, um, Gary, I'm sorry. Yes. Gary Greg, who is a race car driver, um, and Kyle Greg, my folks look at her such a beautiful young lady, the picture of health. And she's now dead because of COVID complications. They flew her to Miami and all the money in the world, unfortunately, was not able to save her. So sad. She did have an underlying autoimmune issue. I don't know exactly which one, but, um, you know, she would be more likely to, um, more likely to be at high risk of dying from complications of COVID. So it's quite unfortunate. She had over 33,000 followers on Instagram, um, friends with several other prominent Jamaicans, and a lot of them, dance hall artists and so on, were really shocked that she had died and were expressing um, their regret. Um, one person posted that this is why you have to make sure that you get vaccinated, um, that you get both vaccines. No, I think she lives, I think she's Jamaican, uh, Sue. I think her connections are, are, um, she's Jamaican as far as I know. She lives in Jamaica. So she was airlifted to Miami this week, but died on Tuesday. Uh, all right. That's all I've got for you folks. Um, there's a bit of other things popping up in the news, including the fact that a Jamaican woman has um, been sentenced in the U S to some jail time for, um, some married scam and she's going to be heading to jail. Not surprised by that. Um, all right. Vanessa says education starts from home. I raised mine alone with no father. Um, absolutely. And, and to be clear, I don't think that that's an ideal situation, but it can be done. And Vanessa is an example of, of how it can be done. But um, listen, more hands on deck is always going to make the, the light, the work lighter, the load lighter. And sometimes you just need that. One final request before we end the program. Have you seen this ring? Uh, this person went into the bathroom, an elderly person. This ring belongs to, as you can see, based on the hands. This lady went into the bathroom at Scotia Bank. 
uh, washed her hands, took the ring off. She was not used to wearing it, took the ring off to wash her hands and left it in the bathroom. Um, if you work at Scotiabank or you went into the bathroom after this person and you found the ring, please do the right thing. No questions asked. Return the ring um, so that this elderly person can have this piece of jewelry back. I'm sure it has some sentimental value to them. And um, it was something that they just recently received. So we published this in our page, folks, hoping that somebody will see it and they will be inclined to return it. Uh, it's not finders keepers, folks. If it's not yours, it's just not yours. And uh, sometimes you've got to be mindful of just doing the right thing. Just return the ring. Okay. Good people, uh, please be safe. Have a fantabulous weekend. We will see you here, God's willing, on Monday. We got lots of, we're always doing stuff in the background, um, not just bringing you the latest news, but we're doing content production and getting uh, bits and pieces arranged for you. So um, know that we're, we're always working. And I appreciate your support. I had a lady stop me yesterday and she said, you know, she was talking to, I think she said one of her coworkers, Earlier in the day, and they were singing my praises to each other about how, you know, how we pull it off. They're like, I don't know how Sandy does it. She's like everywhere and doing everything. And, you know, um, I appreciate that I have a supportive family that allows me to do that. Uh, my husband doesn't get involved in CMR business, but he does lend the support um, where necessary. Um, and that's very, very much needed and uh, appreciated. All right, good folks, take care, and um, I'll see you on Monday. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at caymanmorrowroad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings. 